You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Will you turn with me this morning to the book of Romans in chapter number one? Romans in chapter number one, we're going to look at two verses here, and they're very familiar verses to the church, very familiar scripture. But we're going to look at verse number 16 and verse number 17 this morning. The writings of the Apostle Paul and his letter to the church there or to the Romans. And uh, we're going to take that for our text this morning. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and verse number 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. That's very important. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, the just shall live by faith. And we'll read it again, be in verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And I want to minister for just a moment. This, this morning, a simple message, something been in my spirit, something that I believe that needs to be renewed in the heart of every believer this morning is that we need to be reminded that this gospel is still a gospel of power. It's a gospel of power. And that's going to be my thought this morning, a gospel of power. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray that God would help us to preach and to teach this morning? Lord, I'm thankful, God, again for the opportunity, Lord, to stand here and to minister your already anointed word. God, I thank you for what you've already done, for the hearts that you've already encouraged and already challenged. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would continue to move, God, in the remainder of this service. Open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and anoint my lips, God, to deliver your already anointed word. I need your help this morning, Lord, but you've been so faithful, God, to help any time that we are in need. And Lord, I pray for that help today, Lord, and I'll be very careful to give you all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody says, amen. Recorded. And I know I took my text in the book of Romans, but I want to take you back for just a moment to the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Disciples, and bring out just a little bit of history about the author here, the author, the writer, the Apostle Paul. Recorded in the book of Acts is a, the conversion of this man, this author. We know him first, we meet him first in the text as a man by the name of Saul, a man who led the march, so to speak, to persecute and to slaughter those that would confess Jesus Christ or that would believe upon Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the, the, the Christ that was promised, the Messiah that was promised to come of the Jews. The Apostle Paul, as we know him today, then known as Saul, was very educated in the law, and he had a lot of pride built up because of his knowledge and his education of the law, and it took it upon himself to defend the law and to defend the Jewish tribe as a whole, the Jewish people as a whole, and to not accept anybody who claimed to be the Messiah if they wasn't exactly what they were looking for. He was a man that was full of hate, 
who breathed out threatenings, the Bible said, and had evil against those that followed Jesus Christ. He thought himself to be better than most, better than those that was not a Jew and looked down upon any other race or any other nationality of any kind. According to the history of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter number 7, we read one of my favorite stories about a man by the name of Stephen. According to the history, the Bible says that Saul, a young man at that time, was present at the execution of a young man by the name of Stephen. Stephen came on to the, the, the came into the scripture when Peter and John and the disciples had sat down and they were looking for some men that were able to take care of the daily ministration of the widows. In other words, to just I, I don't mean this in, to, to water it down, but to take care of their basic needs, to feed them, to bring them a blanket, to take care of anything that they may need of. And the Peter said something very important to me there. He said, Find us some men that are full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Now I know and I'm not preaching uh, the Holy Ghost this morning but there's much of the church that has made the Holy Ghost insignificant and of less importance today. But I want you to know that Peter set the bar pretty high when he said here is the requirements to feed the widows and to take care of their needs. You find us some men that are full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Now why would that be? That would be because what if one of those widows needed a, a prayer? What if one of those needed healing. One of the one of those needed for a man of God to lay their hands upon them. I know that some would take this offensive, and they're gonna not gonna take this as a very popular statement. But I want you to know, according to the Word of God, we don't find where the gifts of the Spirit was operated through a man or a woman, except for those that were baptized in the Holy Ghost. I didn't have no intentions of going here, but I want to tell you this morning: there is nothing greater than salvation. But we as a church, as the church, cannot move away from the preaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was important then and it's important today. According to the history, he was there when Stephen, when they brought Stephen out and they began to persecute him and hate him. And they brought him out as a man who claimed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Stephen began to tell them about all of their fathers. He goes all the way back to Moses and begins to witness and testify them. He said, you are of an uncircumcised heart, sized heart. You are of a stiff-necked people. You refuse Jesus. But he's been prophesied to you for years to come. You've got it in your history. You've got it wrote down in your law. You've got it in your book, but still you've rejected the one that died for you. Uh, they, oh, he, they got so mad and so angry, they took him out. And the Bible says this, and this is where I really want to be. It says that they were ready to stone him. They took their garments off so that they could throw a rock a whole lot better. And they laid them down at a young man's feet by the name of Saul. They laid their garments down at the feet of Saul. And they stoned Stephen. And Saul was there as Stephen Gay took his last breath. He heard Stephen cry, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And I got to believe that that pricked the heart of Saul. We find the actions of Saul is this right after that. Chapter 8, verse number 1, the Bible says that Saul consented unto his death. You know what that means? It means that he found great gratification in his death. 
It means to watch a person that suffered, that served Jesus die, brought him great joy. To watch somebody that said, I'm a disciple of Jesus, be overpowered by those that hated him, brought him great joy. And the Bible says he was gratified. It was gratification to him. His next move was to go back to the high priest. And he pleaded with the high priest and said, if you'll just give me papers, I will kill and I will persecute every single one that I find. Uh, give me some papers. Uh, make it legal for me uh, to be able to do this. Uh, and I will make sure that it's carried out. Uh, and Saul, a young man, got his walking papers to persecute and to kill every believer. And he made his way back, headed back to Damascus to start his persecution. Let me tell you something. It wasn't just men, but it was women. They were heartless. To a man or a woman that confessed Christ, uh, you had a death, uh, a, death, uh, a death verdict upon your life. And Saul made his way back to Damascus. And on his way to Damascus, you got to understand, you got to be with me for just a moment, but if you put ourselves in the text, he watches, he watches as Stephen is stoned. He's greatly gratified. He walks back to the high priest mad at believers and mad at Christians. Oh, he's angry. Get me papers. I'll make sure every one of them's killed. He's mad. He's angry. He's walking back to Damascus. He's mad and he's angry. You know why he's mad and he's angry? Because the Holy Spirit is wearing him out the whole time. Conviction will make you mad. Conviction will make you angry. Some of you witnessing to your family and you're thinking, I wish I would just have left them alone to begin with because they got mad and they got angry. Let me tell you something this morning. Don't let off. If they're mad and they're angry, they're not mad and angry at you. They're mad and they're angry at the truth because the Holy Spirit is saying what they're telling you is right. You need to repent. Get on your knees before the Lord and call out to Jesus. If they're mad and they're angry, that's evidence that this is working. The Lord is moving on them. And he's on his way back to Damascus. And when he got back on his way on the road to Damascus, all, the, all of a sudden the Lord, he shined a great light. Saul was blinded, fell on his knees. The Lord began to call out to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you kicking against the pricks? Those that were with him didn't fall down. They never seen a man, but yet they heard a voice, and they were dumbfounded at what they heard. Saul didn't just hear a voice, but he heard he saw a man. And when he saw a man, he saw the man, Jesus Christ, uh, and he heard his voice, uh, and they led him into the city. They didn't really know what to do with him, but they led him into the city. Let me tell you something, uh, how much they cared for him. They left him there and they went on their way teenagers I guess this is probably for you you know how much your friends think about you you let your light shine before the Lord and you'll find out who's your friends they're just your friends because is it all right if I take a moment here and preach to the youth is that okay they're just your friends because you like what they like you're not a leader to them you're being influenced by them the crowd cried, crucify them. And as long as you'll be in whatever that they want to do wrong, then they'll like you. And the moment, look, it goes for you adults at work too. The moment that you say, I don't want no part of that. The person of the Holy Spirit will convict them and they will hate you for it. I was 16 year old, 17 year old. Had the world by the tail. Knew more than my dad knew. My parents didn't know anything, and I knew everything. If they just knew how to live a cool life like me, 
then I wouldn't have so much conflict with them. I was living in sin. I wasn't doing right. I wasn't acting right. I wasn't living right. And my best buddy that was with me was doing the same things. And as long as me and him was together, we was comforted because we liked the same things. And we wasn't living like what mom and dad taught me to live like. It's got nothing to do with my message, but for some reason I'm here this morning. So somebody needs to hear this. All of a sudden, one morning I got in his truck. And when I got in his truck, we barely got down the road. I said a word that I shouldn't have said. And he said, I want to say something to you this morning. I said, okay, go ahead, man. He said, I've decided that I'm not going to die and go to hell. I said, what? He said, I've decided I'm not going to die and go to hell. I want to live for Jesus. I don't want to talk like we've been talking. I don't want to talk about the things that we've been talking about. I don't want to do the things that we've been doing. And if that's not all right with you, I can take you back home now and drop you off. I still love you because you're my friend, but I will not be a part in the direction that we've decided to go. I'm not going to die and go to hell. You know what he did? He allowed the Holy Spirit to convict my heart. I was speechless. I didn't know what to say and I didn't know what to do. I said, keep going. He went on. It bothered me. You know what happened a few days later? I told him, I said, you know what? If you're not going to die and go to hell, I'm not going to die and go to hell either. I'm going to just serve Jesus. I don't want to do what we're doing. I don't want to live like we're living. Teenagers, I took a detour on a Sunday morning because somebody needs to hear that. I want to tell you, you know what your friends are looking for? They're looking for somebody that will rise up and be a leader and say, we don't have to die and go to hell. We can live for the Lord and be what God wants us to be. The Bible says, the witness of Stephen cut them to the heart. They throwed stones, they laid them at the garment, but the the Saul just couldn't shake it. On his road to Damascus, he was blinded. The Lord spoke to a man by the name of Ananias, and he said, I got a young man by the name of Saul. He's at Damascus. I want you to go, and I want you to lay hands on him, and I want you to pray for him. And Ananias said, do you know Saul? He's asking, did you get that? He's asking the Lord, do you know Saul? Have you ever met Saul? He don't like us, Lord. In fact, he just, he wants to kill us. And I, I just put it in my own words, but I'd rather not die today. So I'm not going to go in a room with just me and Saul. When he's carrying papers, he can legally kill me. He said, Ananias, I want you to go and lay your hands on Saul. He's already seen you in a vision. See, the Lord begins to work out things way before we ever have knowledge of it. He said he's seen you in a vision. He knows you as Ananias. I want you to go lay your hands upon him. He's going to receive his sight. And I'm going to fill him with the Holy Ghost. And he's going to be a voice to the Gentile. I'm going to use him. He wanted to kill Christians. Now I'm going to use him uh, to be one of the greatest impacts to the Gentile world that this world will ever know. And Ananias said, okay. He walked into the room and his first words was this. Brother Saul. You know why? Because Saul was already saved. 
when he gave his heart to gave his heart to the Lord when he called upon the Lord 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 what is it that you want me to do he surrendered his life at that moment and Ananias said brother Saul the Lord has sent me here to lay my hands upon you and to pray for you that you would receive your sight and you would be filled with the Holy Ghost and Saul been there for three days he was hungry he was fasting uh, and he was just sitting there with nothing to do but call upon the name of the Lord and Ananias prayed for him and he received his sight was filled with the Holy Ghost and he got up immediately and began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ all in one day what a difference a day makes or three days in this situation he was saved baptized in the Holy Ghost to begin to preach watch this again according to Acts Saul consented to all of this with Stephen but was quickly converted powerful born again experience and he would write watch this I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ <laughs> I got to read on just a little bit watch this the Bible records that in the life of the Saul that's now converted is Paul watch this he it, this is what it records Paul said I've been in laborers abundant meaning he would been a slave Stripes above measure. They give me stripes above what they were supposed to just because they hated him and was trying to quiet his voice. They, they went above and beyond to beat Saul or beat Paul. He said, I've been in prisons more frequent. Oh, they wanted to keep him shut up in prison to keep his voice quiet. What they didn't know, though, is when they throwed him in prison, he said, I'll just write another epistle. He wrote four epistles while he was sitting in a prison cell. He did not waste any time no matter where he was at. He refused to be called a, a prisoner of Nero. No, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ because he knew that where he was at in prison, he was there because of the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I've been in the face of death often several times. I should have died. And one I can recall when he got on the seashore and a serpent came out of the fire, bit him on the wrist, and they said he should have died. And he better didn't even swell up any deaths often. The Bible says of Jews, I received 40 stripes. Five times I received 40 stripes, meaning he got 200 stripes from the Jews alone. Three times I've been beaten with rods, something so severe, it was more severe than that of stripes. One time I was stoned and left for dead. They walked away from him, saying he's a dead man. The disciples gathered around him and said, God, we don't believe we're done, and began to pray for him. And he got up. You know what he did when he got up? He went and he preached the gospel. He was shipwrecked one time. The Bible says that he was out in the ocean water night and day. I'm sure he didn't have a rubber raft out there either. But a whole night and a whole day he was out in the deep of the ocean where all of the dangerous critters are. He said, I've been on many journeys that I've just been sent on my way. I've been in dangerous water. I've been in danger of robbers that have come to afflict me. I've been in danger of my own countrymen that have hated me. I've been in danger of the heathen that has rejected me. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger in the wilderness. I've been in danger on my journey. I've been in danger everywhere I've went. I've been in danger on the sea. I've been in danger of false brethren that claim to be a, 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 a brother 
brother of Jesus Christ. Uh, he said, I've been weary. I've been in pain. Uh, I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. Uh, I've been in the face of death. Uh, but I want you to know, I've been cold. Uh, I've been naked. Uh, but I want you to understand, uh, I'm not offended. Uh, I'm not done. Uh, I'm not out. Uh, I'm not weak. Uh, I'm not burnt out. Uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. From this man. He said I will glory in my afflictions. I will glory in my afflictions. What an example. Do you know as a believer. If you're suffering. You're suffering for the cause of Christ. If you're in the will of God. I didn't get no way man's there. If you're in the will of God. Everything that happens to us. Is for a reason and for a purpose. Now, I'm not talking about our own ignorant mess-ups, but I'm talking about walking in the will of God. And the Apostle Paul believes everywhere I've been, I've been there because of the will of God. He said, I will glory in my infirmities. My, my, my. That's not my message, but what if we could glory in our infirmities? What if we could glory in our infirmities? Sometimes we, had a hard, we have a hard enough time just giving God praise on a good day. What if we could glory in our infirmities? He said, I will glory in my infirmities and all of this. And he still writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how can this be? Because on the journey, while he was facing and going through all of this, he's seen people that were born again. He's seen people healed. He's seen people delivered. He's seen people that was raised from the dead. He walked with Jesus individually on a day-to-day -day basis, walking in the Spirit. And all of these things were a result of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he was not ashamed of what he went through because of everything that the Lord allowed him to be a part of. The things that he suffered was far outweighed by the things that the Lord, the joy that God gave him. And I want you to know this morning the joy that he received never came from this world if we as people could understand that true joy does not come from this world, but true joy comes from God. Every person ever born of a woman is born with a big old void deep in our heart. And we try to, and I said we, try to fill that void with anything this world has to offer. And this world has a lot of beggarly elements. We think our joy will be filled by drugs or by alcohol or by a relationship with a man or with a woman. We think our joy will be filled by money, by a new house or a new car. We think our void is going to be filled by something this world can produce. I want to help you this morning. No sir, no ma'am. The void in your heart can only be filled by a man by the name of Jesus Christ and no other way. No other way. He told the church at Corinth, I'm determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I won't preach anything else. I won't proclaim anything else. I won't confess anything else. He told them also that for those that perish, for the preaching of the cross to those that perish is foolishness to those that perish. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is still the gospel of power. And today, as much as what it ever was, the gospel is still just as powerful today as what it was in the day of old. 
We need it rekindled in our life. This gospel, it's still the answer for the world. It's still the answer for those that are bound. It's still the answer for those that are depressed. It's still the answer for those that are suffering with anxiety. It's still the answer for those that have lost loved ones. It's still the answer this morning. Jesus is still the healer of the broken heart. It's still the answer today. Great truth. There's nothing like it. It's the key to happiness. The key. The key to life. If we only believe. The gospel was so powerful and effective. I want you to think about this. I could bring out several examples. I'm not going to be up here much longer. But I want, I want you to think about this. How powerful was the gospel in that day? How powerful was the gospel when they were birthed? When they, they were birthed in the fire? And begin to preach. You know according to the book of Acts chapter number 2. One of, the, one of the first actions of the early church when they seen the gospel. When Peter stood up and said this is him. Well first he preached this is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel. And they come and they said what are you talking about. And they said this Jesus that you crucified. God has made him both Lord and Christ. And begin to preach that message over and over. The resurrection from the dead. And he accomplished everything that he accomplished on the cross of Calvary. And because he lives it's proven that this gospel. And this man was the son of the living God. He preached that gospel. Do you know the result? 3,000 were saved. And then again 5,000 were saved. People were getting saved by the groves because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But do you know the effect that it had upon the early believers? Do you know what they did? They went and sold their goods and they gave the money to the church because they wanted to further the gospel of Jesus. Drop a pen. I want to see if I hear it drop. They sold their goods. Am I telling you go sell your goods? No. But I am telling you this, and I'm going to cut to the front of the line. We are guilty of being keepers. We're not givers. We're keepers. We're not givers. Very few givers. I've told this before, but i got to tell it. The man that was an alcoholic gave his heart and life to the Lord. He got saved. Goes in to the church to take up an offering. His pastor got to watching him. He opened up his wallet, reached in his wallet, pulled everything he had, throwed it in the offering plate. Pastor called him in the office. He said, I appreciate you giving. She ain't got to give it all. He said, why wouldn't I? Well, you know, you got this, you got that. He said, look, I work all week long to make it a Friday night so I could go to the bar and spend every dime I've got. If I can give it all to the devil, I can give it all to the Lord. He said, well, I'm going to pray that the Lord would bless you. Am I telling you to open your wallet and give everything you got? Come on, you know me better than that. But I am telling you that that is a place that every single one of us Every single one of us could find a place to repent and say, God, help me to be a giver and not a keeper. Do you know that the hand of the Lord is upon Faith Worship Center? Do you understand that we've got great things that the Lord is going to allow us to be a part of? Do you know that we're going to reach this community with the, the, the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Do you know that we've been given a promise that we're going to see a great harvest of souls?
such as this community has never seen. Do you believe all of that? You better believe I believe it with all of my heart because it bears witness with my spirit. When the Lord has given us words like faith worship center has been through a great shaking, uh, but the foundation that we've built cannot be shaken. Uh, we've stood the test, uh, and if we'll hold on, get ready for the blessings of the Lord. Uh, I believe with all of my heart. Uh, let me tell you something. You know why we're in a hurry to get this thing paid off? Because we've already got plans that the Lord has put in our heart uh, that God's going to do greater things. And let me tell you something. The salvation of many people includes your family also. God is not done. We need finances. We need money. Because the plans of God is greater than what we see today. Boy, that pricked my heart when the Lord took Abraham out. Took him out. You know why he took him out at night? Not just so he could count the stars, but I believe with all of my heart he took him out in the, in the dead and the dark of night because he didn't need Abraham to see anything else. Uh, Abraham, you know, they didn't have street lights in Abraham's day. Didn't nobody have their porch light on, and he didn't have an LED flashlight in his pocket or a cell phone with a flashlight on it. But that God says, Abraham, come out here. Walks him out in the dark of the desert and says, I want you to look up. I want you to see one thing and one thing only. This is not in my message, but I'm here this morning. Uh, I don't want you to see what you think that's coming. Uh, I don't want you to see the circumstances around you. I want you to look up and try to count the stars. Uh, in other words, Abraham, what I've got in store for you is so much greater than what you're believing. I, I feel that in my spirit, and I'm not trying to be something I'm not. Uh, faith worship center, what God has got in store is so much greater than what you're thinking about today. So much greater. It affected the early church. I've got to, in Acts chapter number 16, Paul and Silas walking around preaching the gospel. A young lady, a, a soothsayer, a damsel, a little girl, not a little girl, but a girl following him around. The Bible says that she, her owners gained much gain because she was a fortune teller. In other words, they were getting filthy rich. They didn't care about her soul. They didn't care about her situation. All they cared about is how it was padding their pockets. And the Bible says Paul walked around for a few days. And after he walked around for a few days, and I don't know why that the Lord waited till for, for a few days, uh, but this damsel girl that was vexed by a demon spirit, they're saying, I know you serve the Most High God. I know you serve in the Most High God. These men serve the Most High God. See, that damsel could recognize the presence uh, of the Holy Spirit in them. Uh, and after a few days of that, Paul turned around and he said, you come out of her, uh, you did the spirit of divination uh, and said and let her be free and you know what happened they were mad you know why because it messed with their money it affected their money the gospel of Jesus Christ again affected their money and the church at Philippians well they loved the gospel so much they were given and Paul knew that they were given far beyond their means in fact he felt bad for all that they were given I don't know how y'all gonna take care of yourself they said, don't worry about us. The Lord take care of us. And they kept giving. Been many changes take place in the gospel today. Many believe that the gospel needs to be cultural relevant, which means it needs to be popular for what is in that area. It needs to be popular for what's in that area. I had a lady tell me, I'm going to say the other day, y'all know what that means. 
it means it wasn't today. She said, I watched one of your services. I had to go back and check the date. She said, because I haven't experienced a service like that, even though it was live since I was a little girl. Everything in my area has changed. It's become about, I'm giving you her testimony. It's become about entertainment. It's become about us not being what the church of old used to be. People will say, you don't got to wear a suit and tie. No, you don't got to wear a suit and tie. That's religion. Really? That's religion? I'm not telling you you got to have a suit and tie. I'm not doing that. I'm going to wear a suit and tie out of reverence because the Apostle Paul, he talked about reverence, reverencing the house of the Lord, and that's important to me. It's important to me even praise and worship. I want them to reverence. I'm not gonna, they're not going to be up here. I've told Pastor Jeff, they're all going to know it now. But I've told Brother Jeff, I said, look, if you're short a singer, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and one of your fill-ins, they come in and they got jeans and a t-shirt on. No, sir. I believe in respect. I believe in reverence. And I believe that we need to dress for that. And I'm sorry, I may be a little too old-fashioned. But you know what? When I was a kid and went and sat down at my grandmother's table, you didn't go sit down at my grandmother's table without your hands washed and your hair combed. You know why? Because we respected her table. I wasn't under religion because I washed my hands. I wasn't under religion because I set my cap off to the side. It was respect and it was reverence. And I still believe in respect and reverence in the house of the Lord. She said, I had to look at the date because I hadn't been in a service like that for years. You know what? You know, what is the, you know what's wrong with the church changing everything? Is that with all of the changes the church is making, they're also changing the relevance of the moving of the Holy Spirit. And when we take the moving of the Holy Spirit out, we don't have church no more. Many use it as a means to help people feel good today. Watch the televangelist saying, I don't talk about sin because that's not what people want to hear about. Many leaving out anything that convicts, that will bring conviction. And many are today using it for personal gain. It's sickening to see what many have made the gospel into. into. Things that have polluted the gospel and seduced many. But I want to tell you, you can't make the gospel better than what it is already. You can't make it better. Try to make it relevant. Here's how we know if the gospel today is relevant. Do you believe Romans 3 and 23 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Do you believe the only way of salvation is through Jesus Christ? Well, guess what? The gospel just got relevant for you. It just got relevant. It's relevant for this culture, for the last culture, for the culture to come. If the Lord is to tarry, we believe a truth and a great miracle happens. Times we don't want to hear that we've all sinned. We don't want to hear there's only one way, there's only one name. But when you believe on the name of Jesus, the experience, the miracle, is something this world can never give us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news or the good message of Christ. It left the woman at the well running and saying, come see a man. Come see a man that just told me all about my life. Come see a man. It left a man sick with palsy getting up and walking out carrying his bed. It left a man by the name of Zachariah who nobody liked him. He was a tax collector. He wouldn't be popular today. 
It left Zechariah running. And when he found he was too short to see over the crowd, he climbed a sycamore tree. He got to the sycamore tree, and Jesus turned his attention on it. And he said, I'll go to your house today, Zechariah. I'm going to go to your house today. The gospel has changed. It has made an impact in all different situations. But everybody that the gospel touches will change their life forever. The text says this, and I'm going to quit. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God, revealed from faith to faith, that is, it is written, the just shall live by faith. The Apostle Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Meant the good news of Jesus Christ because it's the power of Christ of salvation. I want to tell you this morning, I want you to think about this. If you don't take anything else home, I want you to think about this. If believing upon the gospel can save you, there is nothing, there is nothing that that same faith cannot do in your life. Nothing. Everything else is a byproduct. If you can be saved by faith in Jesus, there is nothing you can't receive by faith in Jesus. The question and the thing that we need to, as a founding anchor in our heart, is are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? And if you are saved, I want you to know there is no limit. I said there's no limit to what he can do in your life. If he saved you, (laughs) if he redeemed you, if your name is in the Lamb's book of life, there's nothing that he can't do for you. All things have made available by faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Brother Jeff, would you come? I want to tell you, the gospel message goes out to whosoever will. and That includes all of us. Whosoever will believe upon Jesus will call upon the name of the Lord. Well, they shall be saved. The Lord will not deny. He will not turn anybody away that has believed upon him. For He's a merciful God. He's a merciful God. He's a God that's full of grace, full of help to the believer. The gospel of Jesus Christ in no way can be improved. It simply tells you and me that if you from the heart will believe upon Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, if you will believe upon the heart, from the heart, upon Jesus and what he did, That the power of the Holy Spirit is going to take you and submerge you, spiritually speaking, into the life of Jesus Christ. And when he submerges you, you are in Christ. Your salvation, as long as you continue to believe, your salvation is secure. It's secure because of my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary can't help but to say this because it's what's on my mind, on my heart. I sat Friday morning. I got the privilege, such an honor, to sit with my cousin BJ in the hospital. 
I went down, just me and him and his wife. Doctors came in, and his wife went out with them, and it's just me and him. I said, I got to talk to you. I know we've talked about it before, but I got to talk to you. I said, How's your heart with Jesus? How is your heart, the condition of your heart with the Lord? He said, Bob, I took a different path in my life. A path that led me away to work. Oh, he worked. He said, it led me away to work. That's what I knew. He said, but I still believe that I've done enough good things. The Lord knows what I've done. And I said, man, I got it. that's why I got to talk to you. Do you know that 70% of Christians today in a recent poll believe that they're going to go to heaven by what they've done? I got to follow that up. That is the truth. That's what they believe. I got to follow that up with another truth. There's not a single individual that's going to get into heaven by what you've done. Not a single one. I said, Bob, you're not going by what you've done. You're going by what you believe in your heart. Forgive my emotion, but I watched him. Roll the covers back and he's weak. Of course he's weak. Set up on the side of that bed, Brother Charles. And he went. And I come over and put my big arm around him, Uncle James. He said, I believe. But I sure enough don't want to take a chance on it. And I want you to know. That it was because of the gospel, Brother Junior, that I could say that if you believe with your old heart, there's fixing to be something happen in heaven. See, they're sitting in court right now, and heaven's courtroom will only be satisfied by your honest faith from the heart. God is raiding with the gavel raised, and He's waiting to declare you not guilty. We both wept, and he made sure that his life was right with the Lord. His wife came back in after a little time, and I got up and I walked out. And you know what I did? I got in the elevator, and I said, I thank you for the gospel. I'm thankful for the good news of Jesus, because this life is full of sickness and sorrow and death. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is still giving hope to everybody that will hear today. I come to tell you this morning, I don't have much to offer you as a man. But as a preacher, I've got everything to offer you. And I offer you the good news of Jesus Christ. So I don't know how your heart is with the Lord. And I don't know what you're going through. 
What I do know is this. The answer is that you place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And no matter what you're facing, if you grab a hold of Jesus by faith, you're going to have an assurance in your heart that everything is going to be all right. I don't know how. I don't know what's going to take place tomorrow. But what I do know is, if I keep my faith in Jesus, everything, my days will be fulfilled, and everything is going to be all right. My altar call is simple. My altar call is to, I'm not going to leave anybody out. I want you to stand with me, if you would, all across the building. I'll not tarry long. This morning, I don't know exactly what you're facing, what you're going through, and I don't know how your heart is with the Lord, but I just want to offer you the gospel. Whether it's you're lost and undone, whether you're sick, whether you've got a broken heart, you're suffering from depression, you're suffering from oppression, your family's in trouble. Let me tell you this morning of a surety. If you will place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. If you're so weak you can't pray, maybe all you can do is say, God, help. Help me. Help me. That's sufficient. Because when we're so weak we can't pray, he will hear the prayer of our heart. He will interpret our needs of our heart. This morning, church, I want to bring us back to the power and the necessity of the pure gospel of Jesus. The answer that you need is found in the cross of Calvary. I just want to give us a moment. I know the Lord moved earlier. But if you're here this morning and you say, I just need to talk to Jesus. I want to talk to Jesus. I've been reminded that I've got to look back at the gospel. And it's a good time to pray this morning. Help me, Brother Jeff. When I think about Guys, will you help me pray for people this morning? How he saved me. How he raised me, how he filled me with the If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.